Today, I'm going to show you how this winter, no matter what happens, it can be the most fruitful time of your whole life. You can flourish, you can be positive, you can trust Jesus, and you can see him move in power. I'm going to tell you how you can experience deep happiness in the midst of chaos, peace in the middle of disorder, love in the midst of isolation. If you're anxious about how you're going to survive winter, listen up. I've got really good news for you. We're looking today at John chapter 8, verse 12. So just to set the scene, we're in about two years into Jesus' ministry. At this point, Jesus was well known to everyone in Israel and firmly in the attention of the Jewish authorities. In fact, they're actively seeking to kill him. There are powerful people plotting his downfall. They're angered at his popularity, but also at his claims. And you would expect Jesus to start to dial things down, to take it easy, to keep a low profile. At this point in the story, it approaches what's called the Feast of Booths. This was a celebration that was held every year by the Jews, um, and it was set to remind them of when they had traveled and when they'd had to live in tents. It was one of the three festivals every year where Jews were expected to travel to Jerusalem. Interestingly, this year, the Feast of Booths started on Friday, just gone. So we're on the third day of the Feast of Booths today. It tells us that Jesus was speaking these words on the last day of the festival. And so the words we're reading were, um, were spoken by Jesus 1,991 years ago this Friday, which is just quite cool. So just to get you in the picture of what it would have been like, Jesus was standing up in the middle of a temple, the last day of this great festival. It would have been absolutely rammed. People thronging all over. And in the midst of all this, in the midst of danger, Jesus, up, Jesus stood up and spoke. Verse 12, Jesus spoke to the people and said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but we'll have the light of life. Now, there's so much we could say about this, but we're going to be focusing on light. By using this word, Jesus links to a number of Old Testament themes. Genesis, the start of the Bible, the creation story. Darkness was over the face of the deep, it tells us. Very start. God's first act is to dispel the darkness. Let there be light. This is heavily symbolic. Light dispels darkness. The author of Genesis is saying that the light dispelled chaos. The light dispelled the unformed areas. The light dispelled disorder. The light brought God's order and reign. Later in the story, when the Israelites build a temple to God, they're told to continually have a light in the most holy place. This light symbolizes God's presence, but also that in God's presence, he continues to dispel chaos. He continues to dispel disorder. He puts things back together as they should be. In the New Testament, this theme of light is picked up again. In John chapter 1, verse 4, it says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. John is saying here that Jesus brings life. 
Jesus is the light that brings God's reign. Jesus is the light that brings God's order and peace. Jesus is the light that brings moral purity. Jesus is the light that brings the presence of God. Jesus is the light that brings joy. And so we've got this picture of light in the Bible, which we very briefly looked at together, symbolizing the dispelling of chaos and disorder, bringing the presence of God and joy in his presence. And so let's just look at darkness for a moment for its opposite. It says in John chapter 1, verse 5, the light shines in the darkness. Darkness, naturally, symbolizes the opposite of light. Darkness is where God doesn't reign. Darkness is where there is chaos and disorder. Darkness is where there's confusion, where there's moral failure. Darkness is where God is hidden. Darkness is where there is despair. And this is the world we inhabit. The problem with being a Christian for a while is we often forget what it's like to not know Jesus. We forget how hard it is for people who go through life without him. Those around us inhabit this world with us. In the, in the world, God often doesn't reign, and we see things which deeply hurt him happening. In the world around us, there's chaos and disorder. In the world around us, there's confusion. In the world around us, there's moral failure. God can sometimes seem hidden. And in the world around us, there's often despair. John 3 verse 19 says, God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. So we live in a dark world, but actually people prefer the darkness. People don't want to hear Jesus' message because they know that they have done wrong. They are deeply separated from God, and they don't want to be exposed. So this begs the question, as a Christian, what happened to you? Why did you enter the light? Jesus called you personally. He looked down from heaven and he said, Sarah, follow me. He looked down from heaven and he said, Matt, follow me. He looked down from heaven and he said, Chris, follow me. He said, Esme, follow me. All of you, he called your name and said, follow me. And if you're a Christian, you did. You came into the light, you were forgiven, you were cleansed, and you started a process of transformation. And so we're going to look again at what Jesus said when he stood up in the festival. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. <laughs> so to follow, let's just think about that word for a second. If you said to me, okay, I'm going to take you out somewhere. Can you drive in the car and just follow me? I could say, okay, yes, I'm making this decision. I'm going to follow you in the car and I can follow you. But it only really works if I keep on following you. If you say, I'm going to take a left turn and I don't take a left turn, I'm actually no longer following you. No matter what my commitment at the start, I've, I've stopped following you. And it's much the same as what Jesus is saying. This following isn't just a one-time decision, but it's a continual decision, a daily decision to follow him. We choose to walk in his footsteps, to live as he did, to have him as our master. So it's not just a decision that you made however many years ago, 
I made a decision to follow Jesus, I think about 30 years ago. And yet, that, whilst that transformed me in my inner soul, the promise that we have here, having the light of life, is actually only if we continue to follow him. As Christians, we can still be affected by the world around us, the despair, the darkness, the chaos, the confusion, the anxiety. And yet Jesus promises, once we start following him, we will have the light of life. And so as we're transformed, something remarkable happens. Matthew 5, verse 14, you are the light of the world. We're transformed from darkness into light. We have Jesus' light within us, and we're filled with the light. When we have Jesus' light within us, God's reign is in our hearts. We have order and peace. Even when the world is in turmoil, Jesus' light dispels the turmoil anxiety. We have moral purity deep within, true change, true change. We have the presence of Jesus to give us strength. And when Jesus' light is shining in our hearts, we have joy, which is unexplainable. So how does it happen? What's the secret? How can you experience this during this winter coming? Lockdown has removed so many of the things we relied on in the past. We can no longer sing together. We can rarely hear teaching in person. Whilst we can engage in some level of community, normal community life is just not the same. We're restricted in how much we can physically be with people. You know, I don't think God's people have faced challenges like this. They've obviously faced big challenges, but like this in the history of the church. But there's an opportunity. Even though all these things we're missing are wonderful, and I long for them to come back, there's something even better. Even though we can't have the good things, we can still have the best. Friendship with Jesus. That's the best thing. Now, it's not the experience of every Christian. You can be transformed, you can be saved, but actually your friendship with Jesus is just not really there. And I've been there so many times myself, walking through life, not engaging with him, hurrying, distracted, missing out on the best part of life. Actually being in Jesus' presence. No one can take that away. No restrictions can take it away. No election results can affect that. No pandemics can remove you from Jesus' presence. We don't know what the next few months are going to bring. There may well be more restrictions. There may well be more sickness. The situation could go on longer than we all hope. We will still be in this world of darkness. And so we have a choice. We can absorb the culture around us. We can be filled with anxiety. We can be depressed at the restrictions. We can have little hope for the future. But even though we hope and pray these things don't come to pass, Jesus can sustain you, and he can make this your most fruitful season in years. So we're going to get really practical now, really practical. How do you do this? So you need to get into Jesus' presence and remain there. Now, obviously, Jesus is always with us, but we're not always aware of it. When I'm running late and stressed and, oh, why is that person driving so slowly? I'm not really aware of Jesus' calming light within my heart. He's always there, but it's about directing our attention to him. Jesus' followers have been doing this for 2,000 years, 
the, there's lots of different techniques you can use, and they've been given an unfortunate name of the spiritual disciplines, which makes them sound really unattractive and boring, but they're actually life-giving and full of joy. There's lots of techniques that we can use to develop friendship with Jesus, and these can help you to thrive through all seasons of life. And so what I want to do in just the last couple of minutes is just whet your appetite, and we're going to do a technique together. You ready? We're going to do it. This one is about silence and solitude. It's temporarily stopping speaking to focus on Jesus. It can be done alone. It can actually be done when you're around people as well, but it's easiest alone. We take ourselves out of the noise of the world and we just spend some time in Jesus' presence. You just be aware of Jesus with you and you let him come. Sometimes it's quite helpful just to use your imagination. Just imagine Jesus sitting next to you. And he will come, and he will do what he wants to do. You can't expect Jesus to act in a certain way. He might speak to you. You might hear, I I don't hear audibly, but I can hear in my heart him, him speaking to me. But he doesn't always, and he might not. He might reaffirm his love to you. You might just be so aware of his love. He might assure you of his protection. He may just comfort you. But the important thing is to just enjoy him. And so this is something you can do at home, even just a couple of minutes. Take opportunities when you're alone. Uh, For me, a a common time is in the car. And if you miss a light, actually it happened to me on the way in today, I was caught in traffic and um, just a really slow traffic light. And it's, it's that moment when you, either you can get frustrated and angry, but it doesn't make the light change any sooner. You can just say, I'm actually gonna have this as a one minute retreat with Jesus. Turn off the radio. Just enjoy being before God or briefly pray. If you're a mum, maybe if the kids are just playing quietly, even for a, a 30 seconds, you can just say, Jesus, thank you that I can be with you just now. Um, maybe if you're waiting in a queue or if you're in, in a pharmacy, I don't know what it is, they always take forever. But if you're just waiting there, just say, Jesus, this is my retreat with you. An engaged tone when you dial on the phone and you're like, okay, I'll try again in a minute. It's an re- opportunity for a retreat with Jesus. Ideally, it's good to, in addition to that, set a goal of daily time, of of time with him. It doesn't have to be an ambitious goal. One minute, it's a win. Two minutes, champion. Just something, just something every day. Start small, God will use it. And it's not a legalistic rule, but it's just a heart's desire. I, I want to seek Jesus. I want this to be a productive time. And lastly, it's sometimes good just to have a longer time with Jesus. Maybe if you are feeling really anxious or something's happened, just go out for a walk and just say, God, I'm just going to take 15 minutes and, and walk and listen to you and be aware of you walking with me. A quiet room, peaceful spot, just spend a little longer in his presence. As you do this, the spirit will come. And the amazing thing is, without us noticing it, we are transformed from one degree of glory to another, from anxiety and despair to hope and joy, from a lack of faith to a place of faith. Jesus can do this in you, and he longs to do it.